Oh, money miners, end of the week. Jeez, looking forward to the end of this day, Trav. Mate, I'm rusty, guys. Oh, mate, sponsor drinks last night. We had the bloody sponsors over, the most important people to us. You're, everyone's important. They're not just important because they pay money. But the real, the real we perk of being a money show, we, wanted, we wanted to show our appreciation uh, to everything they've done for the show, so we put a heap of piss on. Next time we're going to do it. Great f- to have them. <laughs> Who organised it for a Thursday? <laughs> Oh, I think it's more you've got to get in early for the summer season. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. So, Trav, you were you going to finish that or you, was it? Oh, good? I can't even remember what my trailer <laughs> thought is. I just, I've been here for six hours today and I've contributed zero to the show notes. Jada is at risk of this episode. That's a Matty Michael day, that one. At risk of this one trailing off before it's even started. <laughs> yeah, I might give a bit of a preview to what we're going to talk get about. Get it back on track, JD. All right, we're going we're gonna to have a fun little segment on REM reports that have been voted down. We're also going to talk about Euro Manganese. They came out with a uh, funding announcement earlier this week. Ballarat Gold, that's had uh, a couple of developments that have been reported in the media that we'll touch on as well. Interesting. I never knew there was this gold mine right under the town. Yeah, yeah we'll chuck up that. a picture. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty wild, literally underneath the, uh, the town of Ballarat. We're also going to touch on some headlines being made about Oz Super buying a substantial stake in Pilbara. It's a misunderstanding of shorting, I think. That's it, as well as Orcorp having a, a bit of an update on their takeover. This next one, JD, <laughs> this is right up my alley. <laughs> the Magnus AGM. I'm devastated that Can that I, one wasn't in Perth. I will be doing the quotes on that one. I Absolutely, think. mate. And last but not least, we're going to ta- we're going to talk about Tarch Minres and. Develop. Your, your mates at Develop, Matty. One, one step closer to my prophecy coming true, baby. Yep. That's it. Right. Now, I have, courtesy of our great friend, Jackson Crab at RIU, <laughs> Vertical Events, he come up to me yesterday and he said, mate, the rabbit hole you did, sensational, but you missed the big thing. And yeah. then we got another big thing. So this is the the TG6. So this was the this was my little random rabbit hole I ran out down a bit, went down about mm. TG6 and how Matt Burney from Bulls and Bears sold the tenements to Vertical Events founder Stewie McDonald and then this you uh, got Brian Allwood then Brian Allwood uh, I think it's Brian yeah. um, he sold the other tenements to Stewie then Stewie uh, talked about the Croesus days with Norseman because that was Brian's career and everything. Mm. Uh, so what's, have, come, what's come to light? Have a guess who the secretary at Croesus was between 1988 and 1992, the company secretary. What? Who? Stewie McDonald. Oh, no way. So I randomly went down the Croesus route, you c- but it's <laughs> actually Stewie McDonald was actually the company secretary between 88 and 92, and he left – that role Gosh. to work for resource information unit. You had such R I U. You had such an opportunity to tie it all back into the it. start, but yeah. you didn't quite get there. I, just, I couldn't. I couldn't even find that bit, but that was yeah. uh, on LinkedIn. But Crabby's uh, uh, giving me the thumb, giving me the uh, heads up there. Cheers, brother. Well done, and mate. then there was the other one that Croesus. Uh, delist when Croesus restructured after the whole Norseman thing to become serious, relisted as serious, relisted as serious. Who was then the mob that found the Nova deposit? I did not know that. There we go. So I, I nearly had it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Righto, speaking of uh, other awesome things in the industry, because you know how much I love that thing sitting in front of you there, Trav. Uh, Jumbos. Before you go there, I just want just to round off your rabbit hole loop. Next time you have a rabbit hole, I challenge you to try and loop it back. Like I just want one. I actually link. do a yeah. proper like. Like I want, I want you to find a way when you're going on this big string to get the very last thing to loop back yeah. to the front. So that technically the Stewie yeah. McDonald it thing would it, yeah. have linked it. Yeah. So that's the challenge. Krabby's looked after us there, <laughs> but yeah, that was probably the purpose. But then I just went real <laughs> random. Right. Um, speaking of just things I love, I do love dingo at the moment, but I also love jumbos. And talk about the bloody company that is paramount in making jumbos do jumbo stuff. Because you take DSI away, jumbos they pretty much can do fuck all. Nothing. Like nothing. They can just bore holes, but then when they blow it up, they can't go walk under it. Without some DSI mesh in the backs. In the backs. You know why it's called backs? No. Because when mines, back in the day when they were small, you used to have to like crawl along. So We've spoken about your this. back yeah. is pointing up. That's the front up. of the mine. Your that's face is yeah. towards you, so that's yeah. the face. Yeah. And then you've got in your shoulders are the, wow. the arches there. Yeah. That's a, and then um, down the bottom, it's called like if you leave a lump on the floor, it's called a toe. Mate, that's awesome. Is yeah, it? and then the, the holes up from the bottom are called the knee holes. Wow. That's awesome. And then we actually called the middle the guts, which yeah. actually makes sense because it is the guts. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, have a look at – you want to know where that bloody – how this mesh is made? I've never actually seen this before until now. But all that mesh, shitloads of it before it gets bloody – I actually, after watching this, I feel really bad. Every bloody one I'm ripped and tore and destroyed. Have a look at this. This is how the DSI mesh is made. That is seriously advanced manufacturing. Fuck, look at that. Strands everywhere. So that's obviously where how they weld all the strands on. Wow. That's, that. what, that's obviously where they flip them. Then is they it? bloody, they must just be pumping sheets everywhere. I'm going to sound like a twat, but is, is that, is it, is, it, is, it, is it made out of rebar? Is that like a... No, it's just, oh, geez, you not true, man. It's just steel. Steel yeah. wire. Yeah. 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 A thick, a thick steel wire. Bloody impressive. And here's the... Yeah, it's pretty so, cool. Yeah, what a bloody... Mate, talk about sophisticated manufacturing capability. DSI, yeah. love your work, DSI. Thanks for thanks for making the ground safe underground so we can walk under it. On your DSI. That sounds real diplomatic, eh? <laughs> love your work. <laughs> mate, speaking of someone that could go into a career of being a diplomat between probably the drilling industry... And the mining, like, just, like, Seamus Murphy. Who else? <laughs> he, could, like, he could be a drilling diplomat. I think he could be. Sarah Dyer, the new GO in the Anytime Route, the resource GO, come in and, mate, she's just doing a bloody great job. Seamus was telling me labour hire going gangbusters Labor this day as well. Mate, everything, I think he's probably, wouldn't say he's maxed out on soil sampling, but if you need some, I'd probably get in now because you just might miss out. Like it's just, I think he's he's at running at about eighty five percent. So he's got fifteen to fill. Yeah. Because like, if he was quiet, it would mean he's not good, which <laughs> he is not not good. He's bloody brilliant, Seamus Murphy. Great to see him yesterday. They're in demand. He's got beautiful eyes, doesn't he? I actually think he's got a polished head too. Yeah. Like if you yeah, anytime, anywhere, anything, 
especially, you can ask him where to get the head grease. Mm. Mm. I think, yeah, if I was going to go... after his image. If I was going to go full bald, I'd want to look like him. Big time. Yeah. And, big. and with those good looks, add that to the uh, expiration execution <laughs> that he has in the business. Unbelievable. Thanks anytime for all your support. Sarah, Sarah, come around for a beer sometime. We haven't met yet in person, but we're claiming you as a GC to the world, so it's all good. Right. Um, I reckon that took a bit longer than usual, but anyway, we'll get there. Let's rip into the. Uh... We've got to we've got to add something today, Trav. So we'll just talk more. <laughs> what happened? Oh, I'm playing a supporting act today because I Good. know nothing. Yeah, love it, right? JD, the man of the match today. What's going on in the REM reports, Colin? Let's let's talk about the REM reports specifically. Let's see what's been voted down. So, Trav, we're going to bounce one and one here. Yeah, let's this start. is the one segment I contributed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sandfire. So they Get ready, Trav. They, they cheekily put this one out right before the uh, the close. But as you know, nothing gets past us here at Money Mind. So they had thirty two percent of shareholders vote against the REM report. That is strike one. Oh, core cool. lithium strike. It was just they had twenty five percent vote against Peninsula Energy strike. Forty two percent of shareholders voting against Atlantic Lithium strike. Strike twenty eight percent. Blackstone Minerals. So this wasn't the REM report, but they wanted to issue some zero exercise price options. Oh, the Zipos. Yep. Uh. To uh, to a certain managing director, 56%. <laughs> oh, the, the managing director or a certain one? The managing director. 56% of shareholders didn't like the sound of that, so that one didn't get carried. And they also tried to uh, put a resolution through to increase the aggregate non-exec director fee pool. Again, 56% of shareholders didn't like the look of that one. You would say, based on that, it was the exact same shareholders not voting for, voting for it. Very astute of you, Matthew. Mm. <laughs> oh. uh, Sayona, friends of the show. Strike, 48% against. Also, this is an interesting one, some strong votes against for the re-election of directors James Brown and Paul Crawford, 42% and 35% uh, against. They only just joined the board in August. So there was a bit of a shareholder campaign of uh, getting, getting, getting grumpy and voting against the board there. Let's see what that turns into over time. Did you uh, do you know a company that surprised me most that didn't get a strike? Strike Energy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my joke. I was just going to say strike. Very good. <laughs> Magnus. So we're going to get into uh, Magnus a bit later on as well because they had a fascinating AGM that I wish I was in attendance of. But oh, this one wasn't a REM vote, but it was resolutions put forward to issue director shares to Frank Poulos and Hoshi Daruwala. 70% of shareholders voted against, so those resolutions were not carried. This is interesting. Base resources strike. Massive. <laughs> Seven, your strike. 75% against. Jesus. Huge. Super interesting, though. 75% of the total. Well, this one's but, got yeah. a twist to it. Uh, it's a couple of shareholders control there. Um, yeah, right. Swing it massively there. So, like, uh, the the... The interesting part to me is a non-exec director who was seeking re-election happened to resign, announced the morning of the AGM. and He uh, happened to. Happened to. <laughs> um, my, my guess is Pacific Road, the private equity group, 27% shareholder, they're um, potentially a bit disgruntled, looks to me. They're expressing that via their shareholder vote. Yeah. As they should do. Euro Manganese. So they've had a funding announcement. Now, I was trying to remember, guys, eight months. I don't think we've spoken about Manganese once at all. So, no, I don't think so. These guys announced US $100 million in funding that we get to. As you, as you might guess, they've got a project in Europe. It's in the Czech Republic. And it's the only manganese resource in the EU, which gives it strategic 
importance, which we'll get into in relation to the Critical Raw Materials Act, which we've spoken about in the past a bit. So the uh, the market cap floats at about $40 million at the moment. And I mean, if you open up the chart, it's been a pretty rough one year, two year and three years going back a while now. So the news ticked the stock up 50%, but since then it's pulled back a bit. <coughs> so pulling back the curtain a bit on the on the funding, they announced US $100 million to develop their project from- 100 bucks. 100 bucks <laughs> from yeah. Orion, the uh, the resource private equity mob from America. Now it was split into two $50 million components. One was a convertible loan facility and the other was a royalty financing facility. So on the loan facility, they've received 20 bucks already. The next 30 is going to come on certain milestones being achieved. So they need to sign a offtake agreement for 40% of their product, as well as securing a strategic investor. What's the uh, what's the convertible pine? So that aspect, that 50, is convertible into a royalty, ah, righto, yep. which will pay a royalty of between 1.29 and 1.65%. So usually when we think convertible, we're thinking converts into equity, but that's not the case here. Now, the other 50 bucks, which actually is a royalty financing agreement, gives um, Orion a slightly better rate of 1.93% to 2.47%. So, so as you can tell, the uh, royalties relate to a sliding scale based on the high purity manganese price that the guys achieve. Orion also signed an offtake agreement for roughly 20% of their product for the first 10 years of production. So they're not fully funded, but this will reduce the amount of cash that they need. Now, there was a little line in there that stood out to me. They like to say that this is a non-dilutive form of financing, but we all know that's a, uh, a load of crap. There's no free money in the world, <laughs> is there, JD? There's doesn't no work, such thing as a free like, lunch, Matty. Doesn't work like that. So obviously there's less profit at the end of the day for the equity holders. So, mm. Mm. so one, what's, what's bloody, what's hot in the manganese news these days, JD? Tell us a bit about manganese. Well, mate, as, as it sort of relates to specifically Euromanganese before we expand out a little bit, I just think the uh, the Critical Raw Materials Act, which we've touched on quite a few times in the past, that should be a real catalyst for this company. I said already at the beginning that this is the only manganese resource within the EU. So there's indications that this will be put into into place by early 2024. So that could be something to look out for for the uh, the suffering Euro manganese shareholders. And on other fronts, Guiani Metals, they've got a project in Botswana. They announced 26 million bucks in a funding package as well. So they are TSX listed. You won't find them on the ASX. Now that cash will get them similarly to Euromanganese to a final investment decision. They're going to use that cash in the meantime to operate a demo plant and show that they can produce battery grade manganese from their project just outside of Gaboron. So that, so this has all been driven, JD, by the, I guess, predominantly the NMC batteries, the nickel cathode batteries, but the I think I was hearing the man, there's manganese going and there's other batteries being developed as well that may be using more manganese. Yeah, I mean like this different is, different mixtures of them. So this is specifically the high purity manganese that we're talking about because over ninety percent of manganese at the moment is still used as an alloy in in steel making. So it's you know Euro manganese are targeting specifically just a high purity manganese product, and yeah, various battery chemistries that are being looked at at the moment as well. But there's also the added element of 97%, I believe, of processing being done in China. So similar to graphite and other um, sort of specialty metals, they're looking to diversify in particular in the EU. 
Mate, Trav, wasn't that whole segment just then a metaphor for what today has been? <laughs> JD just pumping the whole thing, did all the work, just flying the flat flag, best on ground. Mate, uh, just towards the end there, I was reading the rest of the show notes and I'm like, oh, I don't think I have to say another I word. Think, I, think, <laughs> I, think, I think I saw your eyes close at one point. <laughs> well, you lads can I think you're interesting, JD. Mate, <laughs> I was closing my eyes to get some sleep. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, interested. I'll wake you up when we do the sponsors. You lads uh, can uh, break me up yeah. on this one, but Balmain Goldmine, which is – Underneath Ballarat. So it's like Balmain with an E on the end. It's not like the Balmain Tigers. Balmain with E on end. That's it. So right so under the bloody town, eh, JD? Yeah, we'll Very, up, One of the historic Ballarat mines. Yeah, we'll chop up a, uh, a map for those watching on YouTube. They'll be able to see it. It's uh, obviously got a long, long history in gold mining. So the mine itself has been sort of swallowed up by Acheron Capital, who are a London money manager. So a subsidiary of Acheron had previously provided debt to the group that had started in 2020. So the owner of the mine, which is the parent company sits in Singapore, they'd been in administration since I think March of this year. It's been reported that Acheron will front up 36 million bucks to pay down the debt and make sure all the employees have been paid. So the AFI reported that there were three other groups who'd submitted bids. There are also comments from the Australian Workers Union regarding the, the outcome of this so they wanted to seek a bit of clarity from the administrators. They had a few comments regarding how the uh, the process had gone down, but ultimately their goal is to to make sure that the mine stays in production so that the, the locals there have jobs. Mm. The, the mine itself has had some safety issues as well as environmental challenges sort of relating to the, the tailings dam and those sorts of things over the past couple of years. But the, the previous owner, the Singaporean group, had reported that they can produce 40,000 ounces per annum once it's, you know, running properly. So let's see what this uh, this financial group that's sort of swallowed it up can do with it or what their intentions are, how long they even want to hold it for. Well, I think it'll be a good time to make the bloody mine work when gold's sitting at uh, well over 3,000 bucks an ounce, 3,100, I think. That's it, mate. So, so they were the lender. They were one of the lenders, yep. One of the lenders. All right, gotcha. And they're paying down debt to other lenders. Gotcha. Yeah. So – um. <laughs> Pilbara, Good to have you back, Trav. <laughs> Pilbara came out with an announcement late yesterday, which uh, caused a few waves, you know, various people on Twitter and in the media. There was quite a few articles written about this. So Oz Super, you know, headlines like Oz Super takes on lithium shorts with a Pilbara mineral stake or Oz Super piles into Pilbara, the most shorted stock on the ASX. So we just wanted to chuck in a quick comment on our thoughts on this one. So... <laughs> If you scroll down on the substantial notice statement, you can see pretty clearly that they had been accumulating as well as selling a few shares over the past, you know, three or four months. It started in July at, at the minimum. So they've only just crossed the 5% mark at which it becomes public and have to show to the market what their interest is. So now it sits at 5.1%. But the, the notion that they're taking on the shorts is a bit misleading. I mean, I dare say a group like Aussie Super and any super fund just like passive income groups when you hold that much stock. And you, and you tend to hold it for a long time, exactly. long-term you'd be, positions. You'd be happy to provide a bit of borrow, collect a fee and give some to short sellers. So the idea that this is going to cause some sort of squeeze seems a touch far-fetched to me. I'm not sure if you guys yeah. had seen that one. It's only, well, it's only, it's only going to be a squeeze if it starts going up and they start rapidly closing out the shorts. Because how, how it works for people that don't know is like the big – Instos like Oz Super and funds. If they if they've got a long term position that they're not going to sell, they put 
a portion or all of the stock out available for borrow. So then the short sellers then put a short on that borrow. So And the money actually goes from the fund deposited directly into the shorter's account as soon as they open the short position. And then to close the short, they have to buy it back and give the I'm money back on the difference. On the difference. Yeah, because they're if, if they're if it's a long term position, it's great for them because they're just getting a, a check. There's a borrow fee. Yep. So they're just getting interest on the stock they're putting out to borrow that they're going to hold forever anyway. So it's just money coming in the door. So That's it's it. like the buying's not really related to the shorting at all. It, essentially they're buying more so which means they could put more out to borrow to give more to the shorters. Yeah, it's, it's, so. and it's like I, th- I just think it's like a, a narrative that people look at and try and form a story around because it's got such high short interest but it's a bit of a nothing burger because um, because it's a super fund that will buy and sell around that 5% mark in a bit of a non-event kind of way and it's completely different to having like uh, a strategic or a corporate interest sort of you know yeah. by by minority stake that indicates there could be some kind of change of control event super different well i think with a squeeze there usually has to be some sort of catalyst to lift that start lifting that price up so then the shorters start closing out because they're losing too much because it's like infinite loss you can get on shorting um that's when the squeeze happens so there'd have to be some sort of catalyst for that squeeze to start happening mm. I love it, mate. I'm still inspired by the big short movie. Bloody love it. You watch the uh, the GameStop as well. GameStop that, saga. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's I haven't on, the, watched on, the, the, on the short squeeze I haven't watched the dramatised version yet. But yes, I haven't, I haven't seen that one either. Guys, I want to talk about the uh, Orcorp deal. So we've spoken about this a couple times over the past fortnight or so. So What's the update, JD? So the scheme meeting that we said had initially not been pushed back, has now been pushed back. It was meant to go ahead next week on the 8th of December, but it's now going to happen on January 18th. There was also news that the Oz Super-backed group, Federation Mining, have um, sold out of their stakes. So they had a bit of a 10% position. So on the, uh, the change in scheme meeting date, it's not really surprising given when we saw Perseus come out and say they own 19.9% of the stock, they said they are not going to vote in favour of the Silvercorp buyout deal, which makes sense. Why else would they buy into the stock? So some punters out there seem to think Silvercorp are going to come back and chuck in another sweetener. So if you look at where the Orcorp shares are trading now, it's about 50 cents and the implied bid is a bit over 60 cents, depending on where exactly the uh, Silvercorp shares are trading, given it's a largely made up of script as well as cash. So I think that share price of 50 cents for Orcorp is pretty reflective of you know, the uncertainty that investors have out there, given you've got these two major shareholders butting heads. Orcorp can't shop the deal either, but this, you know, extra five or six weeks will give time for Perseus and Silvercorp to hopefully come to some sort of agreement. So whether that means one of them chucks in a higher bid that the other one agrees to, you know, that would be the upside if you're buying shares here or on the downside, they don't come to any sort of agreement. This Silvercorp deal gets killed because... Perseus vote it down, and then you just have both of them on the register. Just on the idea of Silvercorp being the one that put in a higher bid and buy it out, you'd think Perseus find that, you know, pretty unattractive because they would then be dealt Silvercorp shares, which they'd have no interest in really holding. Silvercorp have a bunch of mines in China. Yeah. They're listed on the TSX. It's not really why they're there for. They want they want control. You'd think so. Yeah. Just on Nangzaga, the the mine they're fighting over, I just want to run through a couple of the numbers because it's interesting to to put it into context what they're fighting over. So this thing has a uh, capex of US 
474 million, an IRR of 25%, an NPV, NPV using a 5% discount rate of just over 600 million US and a 3.7 year payback period. So not super attractive. They've also got a 6% government royalty on the gold sales, as well as a 16% free carried interest. So mm. Tanzanian sort of regime is not coming cheap for the uh, the Australian miners or the Canadian miners that are in country there. And you'd assume that CapEx would have been inflated by now and put a 10% discount rate on it, not the five. I think it'd be... Um, exactly. And then you're chucking the... the other way a lot as well. You're chucking the cost to actually buy out Orcorp. It's, looks, it looks pretty expensive. It's by no means a, a home run. Both of these guys, Silvercorp and Perseus, must be thinking that those uh, those numbers are on conservative terms that they can get a stronger margin and, you know, ideally pull back that 3.7-year payback period and start making cash a whole lot sooner than that. Right. Now, I'm excited for this segment, boys. The Let's Magnus AGM. Now, this is my type of AGM. <laughs> Let's get into it. What? The, so we spoke, we spoke about them last week, didn't we? Didn't we? No. Uh, we've spoken oh, about them no, a while, while ago. Back, yeah. While back. While Gra- graphite. So oh, this is graphite. a graphite. I don't think I wouldn't call it a graphite company. I'm not sure what to what call it. What would you call company. it? No. Mate, a, a box. It sounds like <laughs> oh, it sounds like boxing was nearly happening. Uh, anyway. Mm, so, you know, this is a real 2021 company. Big promises, big aspirations. Things aren't looking so flash anymore. The the balance sheet is all out of whack as of the uh, the latest numbers. Now, we don't want to get into the whole story. We just want to touch on the AGM and, you know, as per the Australian's article, it was a it was a pretty eventful one. So there was a journalist from the Australian who's in the past written about the company and he went down and wrote another article subsequent to his attendance to the AGM. And there's there's a few snippets which I think we should read out. Which was a, I don't, I don't which think was, he wrote this article. This is another journalist at the Australian writing, writing it, about him writing attending. About him. Yeah. But it's written beautifully, by the way. Yeah, right. So yeah. it says here yeah. that this journalist has gone to the Magnus AGM and was reportedly physically thrown out of it, as well as verbally assaulted by a shareholder who has a particularly close relationship with the MD. So the, I might have to incorporate a beep here because I have to say a word that I'm not allowed to say. <laughs> the big, the, here are the quotes. I'll come after you, you fucking Get out of the room, you absolute fucking grub. Get out, dickhead. I'll fucking thump you. <laughs> How good is that? So oh, not well, I won't say it's good, but fuck it's entertaining. It's entertaining and I mean why why I actually want to mention it is good on the journalist for, you know, going down, writing about the company, not being put off by, you know, people like this. Threatening him physically and verbally. So that's the, that's the shareholder that was saying that. That's the shareholder that has yeah. sided with the managing director. Yeah. But, you know, full respect to the to the journalist for keeping the market updated, writing about what's going on at this company and writing about putting some it, of the behaviour. body on the line to go and uh, deliver the news. That's dedication. Absolutely. Dedication shouldn't, to mine. Shouldn't have to put up with that crap, but I uh, just wanted to Jesus shine the magnifying glass. Right the the magnifying glass? The, the Magnus flying <laughs> Yeah, good attempt. <laughs> You're nearly there, Trey. I cooked it as well in part. <laughs> All righty, last but not least, last but not least, lads, let's talk about the Minres Develop contract. Oh, so, I couldn't see this one coming. No. <laughs> so they've Minres and Develop they've announced that 
MinRes has awarded, developed the $46 million contract for the exploration, decline, and infrastructure for Mount Marion underground. Yep. So 18-month contract starting early next year. So they're down, I think they're down 5% today, but it was all assumed and priced in, you'd say, that they were going to get this contract due to, the, I guess, the relationship and shareholding between develop and MinRes. Yeah, so, yeah, it's no secret that uh, MinRes have been looking to go underground at Mount Marion sooner or later. In the latest ore reserve and resource statement, they highlighted that the underground component, which is mostly made up of stuff in the inferred category, is 9.5 million tonnes at 1.52% lithium. And just on develop, it's interesting to sort of put everything into place now because they've got Essential, that's all done and dusted. They've got Pioneer Dome in-house now. Bill Beeman has continued to talk up that two to three mining service contracts is the right number for them. Woodlawn has a $32 million CapEx bill to click that one into gear. He has sort of floated the idea of certain copper and zinc prices that he'd like to see before that happens, but they're going to make final investment decision on that in the March quarter of next year. And just on Pioneer Dome, again, they're are going to undertake their own scoping study. So there's already been a scoping study not too long ago done on that one, but they want to do it with their their own numbers and their own people to see what sort of outcome they get. And I think it's good, probably good timing when I go, if I go, get onto the jumbo side of things. But it's good timing for this contract that they've obviously initially had the Bellevue one. It's gone through that development only stage. They're now in, now in production. So they can now actually get the gun operators that they used for the Bellevue job and then take them to the start the Mount Marion job because when you're pushing a you're pushing a decline, that's the first thing you drive in. That's the one you want done spot on. You want it neat and tidy. You want the best operators there doing it. So they get it done quickly, neat, and um, when they're, I guess, got that little boutique model, they've got the ability to sort of keep that quality Shout out to Roddy Marchant, absolute GC, <laughs> bloody. Uh, but yeah, so that's that. I dare say they'll be they'll pinch a few of the good ones at Bellevue and take them there. Maybe, maybe not. But when you're doing a portal, you want it done schmicko because that's that's the thing you see forever. So yeah, good exciting, work, exciting stuff here. Goods jumbos, boys. Love it, mate. Do you what? What would you two like? Love in the world that will compare to my love and passion for jumbos. Uh, hangover that, cure? <laughs> hangover cure. Not a, not shareholder activism. Like, or, <laughs> no, it probably is shareholder activism for you, yeah. like your passion. Yeah. What about you, JD? Cycling. Cycling. Fitness. Football, mate. Just oh, soccer. fucking being better than me and Travit life, <laughs> <laughs> I think, today. It's Don't play yourself down, te- mate. Testament to it. All right, All right you guys can almost go back to bed. JD, high five. <laughs> no, I'm going to, buddy, I'm coming good. Awesome, mate. Half a salad into me. So, mate, thanks to, uh, as I said, thanks to all the sponsors for coming for a bloody brew last night. Absolutely. Thanks thanks for everything you've done for us. And speaking of those bloody sponsors, JD, geez, I reckon reckon I might crack a tin after this. Hair of the dog. I'm back. I'm back. DSI Underground, Terra Capital, McMahon Mining Title Services, Future Proof Consulting, Anytime Exploration Services, KCA Site Services, JP Search. Brooks Airways and K-Drill. Hooteroo. Hooteroo, money miners. Hooteroo. Oh, <laughs> fucking hell. 
The information contained in this episode of Money of Mine is of general nature only and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. Before making any investment decision, you should consult with your financial advisor and consider how appropriate the advice is to your objectives, financial situation and needs.